Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am so excited that you have joined us. Please let your friends know this podcast is all about educating our children. So we are homeschool moms, but our podcast isn't just for those who homeschool. It's for anyone who wants to educate their kids and supplement their education. So we hope that you will enjoy our conversations and please let other people know our podcast is found in the places that podcasts are played like iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and also tune in. You can find us in some other places as well, like YouTube, but we are definitely online and available for you to listen to. Our thought for today is an Ethiopian proverb, he who learns teaches. And it says, he who learns teaches. It's now time for the word of the episode. Our word for today is truth, ukwele. In Swahili, truth is ukwele. And we are here to switch things up a bit. We're going to have a candid conversation about current events and also about homeschooling. So let's get started. Where should we start? Um, Well, I was saying to Elle just a little bit ago that... Excuse me. I was saying to Elle just a little bit ago that this year is uh, my third year, yes, two and a half years, three years, homeschooling, and I finally kind of feel like I know what I'm doing. I don't feel so confused and lost. I kind of have a little bit more of a system, and um, even though it can be challenging with so many little heads running around the house, I feel like I have a pretty good grip on things. And I guess when you said, you know, we're veterans, and so it just kind of seems like, oh, no biggie, this is a breeze. Let's just switch this here and do that there. And other folk, you may not necessarily feel like, oh, okay, well, how about we just change this around, and that'll work for everybody. There you know, scrambling and losing it. Right. Since this isn't the first years of our homeschooling journey, we just wanted to kind of stop and talk to you guys for, you know, a little bit to be real because for us, we're no longer in that panic mode. Like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? My kids are bored. I feel overwhelmed. I got to grade these papers. I got to do this. I got to do that. We're really just kind of like, things are set. I know what we're going to do. I know everything is going to be okay. You know, not that everything is ascension easy. It's just that we're not worried about what curriculum we're about to use because 
we know that it's not necessarily all about the curriculum for our kids. We're going to expose them to the information that they need to know. And we're going to assess and see if they're weak in some areas. And if they are, we're going to seek out ways to help them in those areas. But it's no reason to panic because we feel like, yeah, for the most part, we got this. And I want to tell you, the biggest reason that I think I feel more comfortable and less panicky is because, and I tell my daughters, my oldest daughter this all the time, slow down. In fact, I just said it today. Slow down. That is the key to your life, baby. Just slow down because she always racing through something and then she skips things. She misses something. I have the same issue. I, I want to hurry up and get to the end. Mm-hmm. Let's move it along. But in the slowing down and taking in those moments, and slowing down and taking in those moments, there's a lot more to be gained. A deeper understanding, a more personal um, connection to the material, whatever it is, even if it's just taking a walk or making a cup of tea. Being intentional and purposeful about the things that we're doing. I I know that, you know, saying something like that to a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, an 11-year-old, it seems a little dense. But as time moves on, they're going to remember you said that and they're going to understand exactly what that means at some point. That being intentional and purposeful in the things that you're doing can make a world of difference. So... In slowing down, I'm not worried about, oh, she should be doing X, Y, and Z, but she's only halfway there. I'm not stressing it. Why does everything have to move so fast? Let's be for real. Just because things are moving fast doesn't mean that we have to move fast with it in order to keep up. Right. And I think we also recognize in our journey that It's not about the speed of learning something. It's about the fact that you you do learn it. Mm -hmm. So if it takes you a longer time than it takes, it's no no competition. It's no race. It's just, I want you to get this information, but I want you to get this information in in a time that's good for you. Mm -hmm. So I think homeschooling really allows you that opportunity to, um, to slow down. Because you're not competing against, she's not competing against your other children. She's not competing against anybody. Right. She is her own competition, so to speak, if she feels like a competition is what pushes her to to move forward. But for the most part, competition isn't even a factor. It's just like, I want to learn. I want to learn and I want to get this done. So I think that's the beauty of homeschool. And I think that also is very important about you know, that's one of the drawbacks of public school. You're competing with a classroom full of kids, whether you want to make everything a competition, just naturally, the Mm -hmm. way education is set up in the school system, you know, to be the top of the class, my top five students, like everything is kind of set up to be a competition against other people. And in homeschool, some homeschool co-ops are also set up like that. But for the most part, if that's not your your thing, if you don't want to be competing against others in homeschool, you are free not to. 
And I think that's a beautiful thing, not to feel like everything's a rat race. Yeah, competition. I mean, there's a such thing as healthy competition and unhealthy competition. You got the healthy competition where it's more an inspirational kind of thing. You inspire me to try to push myself a little further kind of thing versus, no, I just have to be at the top before, the, you know, for being at the top safe. There's no real reason to be there other than to wave your fanny in the air and saying, look at me. So it's, you know, it's a fine line with creating a, you know, a healthy competitional base. And if you, if you don't thrive off of that sort of energy within, it doesn't have to be there. And if you do, then that's great. I think in, you know, the traditional school system, they do it with the intent of being helpful and healthy. But I think that more often than not, it kind of turns out to be more detrimental, especially to students who need more time in certain areas. But when you're at home, you can take your time. And it's okay. And nobody's rushing you but you. That's what I would say. Nobody mad but you. Nobody's rushing you except for you. So be kind to yourself. Be gentle with yourself. And it's okay. Yeah. Right. Would you say that you've come to the realization and just a level of comfort that you've come into a uh, your own comfort level because like what really helped you you know get there because yes this is the third year was it just time that you needed what has really helped resolve those fears because I think when you first homeschool there is a fear like I'm going to screw my kid, <laughs> my kid up like they're not gonna learn anything I'm gonna right. get frustrated like there are real fears that come with homeschooling it's not like ooh, I'm gonna homeschool my kids all of a sudden I'm gonna become a scholar like there's there's some myths about homeschooling that mm-hmm. people think all of a sudden your kid's just gonna be this genius because right. you're taking that quality time people homeschool for different reasons and you know you get frustrated as a parent that's going to be a given like it's not and every year you're going to have to find your own comfort level to make that work but it's not all just because you say i have time to homeschool and i'm going to homeschool that doesn't automatically means it's going to be comfortable Mm -hmm. or easy or easy (laughs) so now you are in that space of comfort and i want to say that probably when i started homeschooling this podcast when we started this podcast i want to say i was kind of in my space of comfort like just like well i've been doing it for this long i can't lie you always (laughs) seem like you were in the space of comfort you knew what to do you were just like you know what i remember one day (laughs) i was over at your house and you were um having them look at videos of cuttlefish i think it was on youtube (laughs) and i was like it took a little minute for me to realize oh this is you know science it's like watching national geographic right you're learning something about their habitat um you're learning something about their biological mechanisms and all that other kind of stuff and of course you know a four-year-old isn't really absorbing it in that manner, but you were exposing them to things 
like that. And I remember thinking, oh, how come I didn't think of that? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I guess for me, I never thought I was going to screw them up, so to speak. I just kind of felt like school isn't linear. No, it certainly isn't. And I felt like, wait a minute, all the people I went to college with, we all had very different backgrounds. And I'm pretty sure we weren't taught the same things because our experiences and our output for what we were doing were completely different. But I did feel like we all had education enough that we were able to compete. And so I personally believe that even if I teach my kids different stuff than what they're learning at public school, my kids, if I give them a, a foundation of reading math and science, like if I teach them how to learn, mm-hmm. they'll be okay. Like it's really been that rudimentary in my mind. And you know, I just saw a post on Facebook this week where someone was saying that the only classes that they teach their children are reading and math. And I was like, hmm, I can't lie. That is where my focus lies. I said, well, I'm going to throw science into it because I think that's a very, um, I don't know if it's because I'm just kind of nerdy and I've always been interested in science that I push for that or if it's because, and even though I do see the value in having that, I think those three subjects are absolutely key to being able to function in this world. Yeah, I, th- I think when it comes to science, science is all around us. Right, it's no, right. It's no escaping it. We are science. <laughs> right. So in and of itself, science is intriguing. And so I think as an adult who's teaching our kids, if we're intrigued, our kids are going to pick that up. And so my goal as a parent is to love learning and to instill that love of learning in my kids. And I think I saw at an early age, hey, my kids enjoy this. Like they were picking up stuff quicker than I was. And so I realized that even if I may not know something, my kids can learn it. And I think as as a home educator, that's something that you have to take into account. Your kids don't only learn what you teach them. Right. They don't only learn information that that you know, it goes beyond you and it goes beyond your expertise. And I think that's why so many kids who are exposed to homeschooling are able to thrive later on. Of course, this isn't always the case, but many of them are because they have that, they kind of have that self-motivation, that self, that desire to learn on their own. And I think that's the key. It's not like when you're in public school, your driving force isn't necessarily your own motivation. Mm-hmm. It's more like, oh, I want to do this to be better than other people. Like it, it's usually somebody else comes into play. Like I want to impress my teacher. Because mm-hmm. I have to. Because I have <laughs> to. Because I want to get this A. So it so when you homeschool your motivation is a bit different. And I love the carefree nature of that. Now our state does have some subject requirements. Yes, and this was in one of the state groups, but I think that they, although that's what they do, either they are um, reviewed by Umbrella or they have, um, they, they learned, I've learned even, how to, I don't want to say circumvent the system, but how to 
do your own thing and still work within the guidelines, the guidelines of Comar. So I think that, you know, that, that may be their main focus, but they probably do throw a worksheet in here or there because the state likes to have physical proof of yes. the learning. And so I know for myself, I'm going to give you this tip. A lot of people, I see a lot of people ask this question too. What do you need to show for specific subjects? So what I have for PE is a calendar that shows uh, 1 through 30, 1 through 31. And on each day, it says um, two sit-ups, five push-ups, whatever, right? Just some physical activity. My children are physically active every day, so I'm not worried about that. But they accept that as proof of PE. And that's just one paper. Right. Um, for art, we'll do, I incorporate art into a lot of the other um, subjects. So draw a picture to go with this. Um, sometimes it'll be like my oldest, she likes doing things. And so she'll find some YouTube video and try to recreate whatever it is. Guess what? That's art. She likes doing the gosh of life. That's art too, graphic art, throw that in there. So a lot of their interests, you can find ways to um, document it. And then I only keep like one worksheet a week. So that would be, if you come up with four worksheets that are something social studies related, or four worksheets, and that's just per month. So that's one a week. You'll have enough. Yeah, your to. children shouldn't, well, not say shouldn't. Most children won't give you such a hard time because I know when my daughters would, I would say, look, I have to have something to show. So I need you to cooperate with me so that right. we can continue to do this. If you don't, then we will not continue to do this. And I will put you on a school bus at 645 in the morning when it's dark and cold outside. Okay. And they <laughs> straighten, <laughs> straighten their little butts right on up. Okay. And we move on. Right. That's how it goes. So you don't necessarily have to um, be as staunch and strict as they kind of lay it out to make it right, seem like Right, as it's written. Yeah. You, you do have some flexibility. And I think, you know, we talk about reading. You can read science. Like popular science like we, we used to get the magazine popular science my kids were so oh my gosh they were so excited when that magazine came to the house and they would read the articles i didn't read the articles but they would tell me about them and that that was my summary language arts yes. they're learning how to summarize exactly. that's what they do they send the children home would tell them you got to read 20 30 minutes a day and then you got to write this little summary right right but they were reading things that they actually wanted to and they were telling me about it because they were super excited about it and they wanted me to be just excited, so they would tell it to me. And that was that was a part of our reading. So you, as a parent, have to learn how to be flexible in thought. That's something, like, if you listen yeah. to all of our podcasts, we always talk about be flexible. But I think, you know, it's, I definitely take a more casual approach than some people. And I feel like if I was more... Um, 
strict about the way I teach my kids, I definitely feel like they would be further along. But I, I think I try not to push my kids just to, um, I try to be careful. Yeah, I try to be be careful for that because I definitely know that they're capable of a lot, but they're still kids. And do I want you to be, you know, doing equations and algebra just because I want to I want to say that you're doing equations or algebra? Yeah, or do you or do you really need to be there? Like if I feel like I'm holding you back by having you, you know, redo other things that we've talked about, then that's very different than me saying, "Hey, I know that she can do algebra now, so let me push her there. I kind of try to take their lead. Like, yeah. if they're, they're naturally ready, and I see that maturity, that, that level of interest, that's when I do it. But I think I don't really try to push my kids just because I feel like they can do it. Because I feel like if you teach your kids, they can do a lot of things right. beyond their grade level. But should you? And that's really just a personal... Yeah, that's up to you. Yeah, that's up to you as a parent. That's personal. And so um, my goal, though, as a parent and how I I do homeschool is really exposure. Exposure to different, um, to different information is huge to me. So, you know, I've talked about going to museums and, you know, I let my kids just spend time there to really get acquainted with the information because I feel like um, museums have, they don't necessarily tell you what to think, but they expose you to different Mm -hmm. thoughts. And so you can come to, you can arrive at your own conclusions in the, like the science centers they definitely do experiments and they talk about things so i think it piques their interest it's fun it's inviting so we try to do those but i think i'm very open about how i how i teach and um sometimes i definitely have i got a question a couple weeks ago about what math curriculum do you use for your kids Mm -hmm. and if you ever listen to our podcast you know i'm not super curriculum heavy. It's it's not me. Like the math that we do, sure, people talk about common core and all that, but really math is the same math that Einstein was doing. Same math. Like this math thing is about patterns. Yeah. And it's the same math. Like sure, numbers keep going, but it's nothing new. Like we're not reinventing the wheel. We may be teaching from a different angle. That's what it is. That's the issue with common core. But the, that's it. The it's different just, avenues that they're taking. It's just taking different avenues. So I don't... Rarely will you hear me say, ooh, this curriculum is the bomb. Because that's just not... I don't fall in love with curriculum. <laughs> I fall in love with information. So I, I do like math. I have a workbook that's pretty inclusive that we use. Um, and it's working for me. For me, I look at it like this. If it's not working and my kids aren't getting this information, that's one thing. But if it's working, why do I need to change it? Yeah. I mean, the thing for me this year, I think part of the other reason why I'm not, even though, even though I've never been one to be on the curriculum train, I have found that for my family situation, having that makes things a lot smoother. So I don't, I still have to do planning, you know, but I don't have to do as much. And I don't have to come off the cuff so much. 
and it's kind of lifted a weight off of me, I feel like, because I can breathe a little easier knowing, okay, this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing next. And then, you know, it's kind of like having the bones to the body. So I'm not using it strictly the way they say to do it, but I have it in place to give me that outline to be able to fill in where where it's needed. Mm-hmm. So it's making it has made things a lot, lot easier. So much easier. So I think that even though I don't um, follow it to a T, it's been very beneficial. So I would suggest for anybody who's really flustered or if you have a situation that is similar to mine, I have four children, two, four, six, and 11, and everybody has needs, mommy, mommy. If I cease to exist, the world crumbles and crashes. So I have to kind of make myself available all the time. So it's, it's, a, um, it's an option, you know, find some that are, uh, if you're more of a free spirit, like I am, find some that have that kind of built in. That's why I like the blossom and root. The further we go, I really am <laughs> enjoying it. It's pretty loose and there's lots of wiggle room. So you can make whatever choices work for you all. It's pretty inclusive. I've been bringing in my oldest in on the science projects there. She has a slightly different response system than younger. But, you know, that's because there's a large difference in ability and processing and age. So... Yeah, there's there's certainly ways to, you know, make things work for you. You just have to be flexible. Like right. <laughs> right. And and what I've been using is a book. Um, I will definitely link to it in the comments, but I have a book that we use. We take it whenever we're going on um like if I have a day where I have to be out, because just a couple of days ago I had a conference, I was like, Look, I'm gonna have to take you because they're for some reason the um, school that they go to on Fridays, the, they were having a field trip and my kids weren't able to go because I would have had to pick them up at one, which was right in the middle of my conference. So I just took them with me and they were able to have their schoolwork with them. I didn't have to look for it. I didn't have to worry about Wi-Fi because sometimes when you go places, Wi-Fi isn't always available. Mm-hmm. And so it, it works for me and it's convenient for us and our schedule. So, um, we will definitely link to last podcast where we share all of Miriam's the curriculum that she's using. And I will put the link to the book that I am using. But again, my kids are in a co-op this year and they're doing three days a week. They're doing classes. So I think they take seven classes each. Um, I thought it was nine. Seven. It don't matter. That's oh, nine. it is nine. <laughs> it is nine. You're right. Yes. It is nine classes. They have some busy little ladies. Yeah. Um, 
but it's all good. My kids are enjoying it, and that's really what matters. That's what matters most, right? Well, so we've talked a lot about homeschooling, and I hope that you guys have enjoyed this conversation, but I am eager to talk about our next topic. My head hurts. <laughs> so oh, we want we want to transition gears to some current events. Uh, yeah. Because we like to be, we like to talk about what's trending on occasions. And what is trending is a troubling story. Oh, boy. There was a little girl who goes to a Christian school in Virginia. And it was reported that, um, that she was being bullied. And on the playground, she was pinned down and her dreadlocks were cut. So that was that kind of I want to say it probably hit the fan on Friday last week. Yeah, Thursday or Friday. I remember hearing that several times on the radio as I was driving wherever I was driving to. And I just remember shaking my head like, are you kidding me? Who the butt does that? Why? Who's children? Who's what kind of parents? What? Who? Why? Are you for real? It really hurt my heart. I have locks. And I would be really um, disturbed and distraught yeah. if someone cut them. And I'm an adult, so I can't imagine how a child would feel. Yeah, I would feel violated. violated. Yeah, yeah, in that manner. And I think just the visual imagery of a girl being pinned by three boys yes. was troubling. Y- yes, and, and I- how did nobody see this? Right. Right. So when I first shared the story, I did not, you know, I saw the picture of the girl and, you know, it just, it just hurt. I didn't necessarily listen to her tell her story, Um, but I I felt for her because on more than one occasion in the news, have we heard about students having their dreads cut by a person in authority, never by other students, but typically by a person in authority. And we've heard them being told that their hair was unkempt or dirty, messy, nasty, inappropriate, not, um, not presentable. Right. Right. So, so typically you hear that it's not presentable. And so it definitely cut deep to us. Mm -hmm. So after the weekend, we find out I was, um, scrolling online like I do and I was like oh my gosh this girl has recanted her story now I thought of it two ways I said did she recant her story because things just got too heavy for her and she was like I just want it all to go away so I'm gonna just say that they didn't do it but then I saw her family online I saw, no, I I was watching the news and I saw her and she, her, her parents said that it wasn't her, her mom and dad. Let me make sure that's very clear. It's, she lives with her grandparents and it was her grandparents who said her, her hair is visibly cut and it was, but it turns out that she's saying that. Now, I didn't see her say it. They wanted their privacy, but she basically recanted her story and said she cut her hair herself. Now, I, I said, okay, so if this young woman did cut her hair herself, 
what's going on in her life that she would feel so I don't even know what the word is. Why would she think that it's okay to all of a sudden take that, yeah, <laughs> take her story the, back? Yeah, what was the catalyst? Well, I hadn't taken that thought when you said, um, did she just want it to go away and that's why she said, I made the whole thing up? Or I was, well, not or. I was thinking, did someone pressure her into taking that back? Or was she really just lying? Those are the two sides that I considered. Was she really just telling a story because she was telling a story? Or was it that someone who she felt had more power than her kind of cajoled her into saying, I made that up? So there were people from all over the place coming to her aid to support her. And I, a matter of fact, I just got a message now about <laughs> a peace walk for anti-bullying. So the walk will probably still happen in Southeast DC. Um, it's actually going to begin um, MLK Avenue, Southeast 1900 and Acacia Drive. Um, on October 14th from 12 to 1.30 p.m. And even if this story is a farce, because clearly the kid the kid is saying that she, she wasn't telling the truth, the problem of bullying does exist. Is it always racial? It's not always racial. It exists and it has existed. When we were in school, some kids Indeed. were bullied. So clearly bullying is, an, is a thing. But... I think this young woman has some other things going on in her life and she she needed somebody to hear her. It was a cry for help and she's like hear me, see me and I mm -hmm. I think she thought that was the only way to get people to hear her and see her because you know just seeing her her grandma and grandpa she knew that saying some white boys did it was going to get them riled up. Yes, but this is the other thing. What was she really trying to get heard? If indeed this was a call to help, what what is she really trying to bring attention to? Is somebody actually doing something to her? So is she, she actually feel? being bullied? Yeah. So that or I mean, even if it's based not, is on she her being parents, sexually assaulted, is she being um, a teacher is mistreating her, or telling her things? Um, is someone? So something is definitely going you know what I'm What's exactly what is the underlying reason? What made her feel like she needed to do that for the attention? She has not recanted the bullying. She is saying that she was still bullied. Um, However, she... they did not pin her down and cut her hair. And I think that's something that people have to really understand about this story. It's okay. not that she's not being teased and bullied at school. She's claiming she's still being teased and bullied, but nobody's doing anything. So that's why she came up with that story. Oh. And okay, in a 12-year-old well, mind, it was okay to stretch the truth for this. She's 12. Like She's she, still a child. She's, she's a kid. She didn't understand the ramifications of her ignorance. Okay, well, let me say this. I have a family member who, when he was in elementary school, was 
sorely mistreated. Even some of the adults were mistreating him. I remember I used to do America Reads with University of Maryland, and I purposely picked his school so that I could be there several days a week to keep an eye on things because things continually kept happening. He would always say, this is happening, that's happening, and he's telling grown-ups, and the grown-ups are just like, eh, because he was a um, very active little boy, and I guess you could say annoying at times, but I mean, which child isn't? And the teachers did not, he, I mean, he was a little different, yeah, he's, he's clearly a, a truly unique individual. He walked to the beat of his own drum line, I tell you. But they were mistreating him, and he would always get in trouble for defending himself or lashing out. So the bully would pluck him in the ear, and he would say, stop, and he's in trouble for screaming stop out loud. But this dude just keeps flicking me in the ear, right? And, and that's really very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, benign in terms of bullying because it it was a lot worse than that. But just for a brief example, things like that were happening. So I can see how um, after continual this kind of treatment, how you may say, look, the only way I'm going to be able to get this taken care of perhaps is to make it seem like they almost killed me or, you know, something truly unconscionable happened. So, I mean, if that's the case, I can certainly see why she would do that because I've been saying for the last 16 months that this is happening and nobody seems to give a rat's behind. Right. So what do you think that should be done next? I personally think if I were... They better not put her out. Go ahead. I think if I were the adult in the situation, I would pull her out of the school. I would, but I'm saying that that school better not say, hey, Susie Mae, you can't bring your tail back here no more. You've been expelled or suspended. No. Right. I don't think, right. I don't think she should be suspended, mm-hmm. but I definitely think that whatever is going on at that school, you know, obviously something is going on that you would come up with that lie. So you you definitely that age why right you definitely need to be taken out and if anything she she probably should have probably been in counseling already and now is definitely time to put her in just to talk about it Mm -hmm. like kids make mistakes kids lie this is not a new thing it's not unique to her I saw on one thread where. People were saying, oh, she needs to be arrested. She needs to be charged. No, she's a child and children lie all the time. So does it make it right? No. Should we overlook it? No. But we have adults doing much worse and they're not getting arrested. So I don't agree with that. But look, that brings me to a topic for another day, but I'm going to start it right here. Why are we always trying to adult our children. And I'm not going to lie. It seems to happen a lot more to females than males. And it seems to happen a lot more to brown kids than other children. We expect them to, well, I'm not going to say we expect them, but society seems to 
say, hey, what did she do to make that happen, right? She should have known better. She shouldn't have been wearing that or she shouldn't have said that like that. Why, why is she walking with the little, look, she's being herself, doing herself, and that's it. She's being a child. Don't sit here and say that because she has breasts, visible breasts now, that she should have known that somebody was going to be looking because she wore a tank top. No. She's 10, 12 years old. She's still a child. And why would we try to enforce adult Yes, adult um, guidelines on a child. Talking about some arrest them. Now, we're not talking about robbing, killing, this, you know, major things like that. But these little small things, like she should have known better than to not have X, Y, and Z showing. Come on. They're children, and they're going to be children. Like you said, they lie sometimes. Yes, they do. Why? Because they don't see another option. Their scope is very, very, very limited. I mean, even you as an adult, think about what you know now at 30-something, 40-something, 50-something years old, and what you thought you knew at 15, 16, 18 years old. You can look back and say, man, I was dumb as a box of rocks. What was I thinking? Like... Right. Your your scope of understanding is so much broader. You have so many more experiences yes. to pull from to be able to reason. And psychologists will say that kids at a young age, their frontal lobe isn't fully developed. Mm-hmm. And th- so their reasoning, their capacity to reason isn't fully mature. So I would say this is one of those cases, and I'm not trying to um, brush it under the rug, but clearly... She has a lot more learning to do. But I think that the reason why we're even talking about this, because it definitely hit a core in many people. We're like, not again, Mm -hmm. because clearly it has happened Mm -hmm. before, not long ago. I feel like every couple months... Yeah, it's always something. The little boy who had to cut his hair so that he could participate in In the the wrestling wrestling. match. The little girl who got disqualified for wearing the exact same swimsuit as her teammates because she was too shapely in it or something like that. You have got to be kidding me. Please kiss. Never mind. What? (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. This is absolutely insane. So the the truth of the matter is ridiculous things are going on. And unfortunately, all those bad things that have happened will be minimized compared to this story. When people think about uh, hair issues, this little girl is going to come to mind. And her story is going to be the one out of probably like 10 or 15 that's going to be the one that's untrue. So it's just like the story that we all heard in school about Don't Cry Wolf. Mm -hmm. This is one of those stories. And I think we have to be very careful when we talk to our kids about racial matters and um, gender matters. Because this wasn't only racial. It was also boys on on a girl pinning her down. Like that in and of itself is assault, especially in a time when we have such a heated Me Too movement. Um, And I think we have to be 
super protective of our boys because can somebody just out of sheer dislike say, hey, he did this, he sexually assaulted me and get away with it and his reputation all of a sudden become tarnished. So I think that it's so, it's so important that we, we tell our kids the truth about how to deal with these type of cases because we don't, boys shouldn't be taken advantage of just like we don't want our girls to be taken advantage of. That's right. And so I I think that we have to tread lightly, but homegirl needs some um, professional help. Yeah, and I, I hope, hope she that gets she gets it. it. Mm-hmm. So we, that's a consensus. On that note. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> we hope you guys will send us your questions. Tell our podcast, uh, share our podcast with a friend so that they'll be able to tune in. And yeah, like if you have show topics, please feel free to send us an email at cleverlychanging.com. That's C-L-E-V-E-R-L-Y-C-H-A-N-G-I-N-G at gmail.com. In the subject line, put podcast questions. Clear as day. All right. (laughs) All the best to you. Bye.